Okay. Turn, if you would, in the same book that Brother Travis read out of, 1 Thessalonians, but we'll be in chapter 2. The name of the message is Suffering for the Gospel. Suffering for the Gospel. Now, these saints at Thessalonica, they were Gentile believers. Many of them were idol worshipers. We know because in chapter 1, in chapter 1, the Holy Spirit brings forth that they were at one time worshipers of idols. Look in verse 6. Actually, let's start in verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, this church was only about a month old. Very young church. And what's Paul doing? People often say, well, you shouldn't teach, you shouldn't teach young believers about election, about all that. Why not? It's in the Bible, isn't it? This church is about a month old. And Paul is putting election right before them. Look at verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, look at this. For our gospel came not unto you in, in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of man we were among you for your sakes. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So that we were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. They started talking to people about Christ. <laughs> and that word went forth, didn't it? For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we head unto you. Look at this. And how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So these folks were idol worshipers. They were steeped in idol worship. And they became persecuted by their own countrymen because they had faith in Christ. And this will happen. The world will persecute believers. Maybe subtle, maybe subtle, it may be open, but the world will persecute believers. And God's people, they suffer for the gospel. Let's read verses 1 to 8 in chapter 2. And so remember this. Remember that they had turned from idols to serve the living and true God, and they are going to be persecuted for their faith. So Paul will set here before them, the fact of suffering for the gospel. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance unto you. It was not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We are bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So Paul, Paul and Silas and Timothy were being persecuted in Philippi. And then off they go, and here they come to Thessalonica. And it says, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But look at this. See, this church has been entrusted with the gospel. God's preachers are entrusted with the gospel, and the churches that they pastor at are entrusted with the gospel. What an honor, beloved. We're entrusted with the gospel here. Look at this. It says, But as we were allowed of God, now notice who, who allows the freedom and the liberty to preach and proclaim the gospel, it's God, right? 
to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which tried their hearts. So these preachers weren't a bunch of man-pleasers. And no sent preacher God is a man-pleaser. I, I have one mission here, to preach and proclaim Christ and him crucified. That's, that's the whole reason we exist here, is for the gospel to go out from this place. And isn't it amazing, isn't it incredible, that we are from all different places. You know, Annie's from Nova Scotia. I'm from Ontario. You all from different places. Sister was at Arkansas. Yeah, that, that you were come from. All different places. Michigan, right? All different places. And we're brought here together right now. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? And here we are. We're brought together as a body of believers. And we gather together and we rejoice in the gospel of Christ and the fact that he saved us, washed us in his precious blood. And here we are here for the furtherance of the gospel. So I'm sent here to preach the gospel to whoever comes into this building, right? And to be a servant of the church. Remember, the preachers, are, it, 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 we're, we're not sent the Lord over the people. We're sent to serve. Right? God's, God's leaders are servant leaders. And we see that. We see that in the book of Acts, too, don't we? But my commission is to preach the gospel, isn't it? Right? And then to serve all of you. And look what Paul says. He says, I'm not a man pleaser. We weren't a bunch of man pleasers. We didn't, we preached the gospel, knowing that, that man would get. And, and no preacher gets up and preaches the gospel to make people upset. We just don't do that. We get up to preach Christ and him crucified. The only savior of sinners. And what that does is it wounds man's pride. It wounded mine. When I first heard the gospel, I'll tell you what. What? It's nothing to do with me? No, nothing at all. Oh, my. My, oh, my. So we're not man's pleasers. But look at this. And, and I love this about Paul. I love this. I love this. Now, Paul, well, he was a smart fellow. He was taught under the, one of the best teachers. He could have spoken elegant words. You ever hear, Vicki and I, a long time ago, before we were saved, we were at this church. Man, this guy spoke with words that I didn't even, I had to go home and look them up in the dictionary. It, it was useless. I want a preacher who preaches to me in words that I can understand. Do you? Right? Yeah. Just just plain words, right? So we can all, un like you said, so Gavin can even understand it. Right? Just preach in plain words. And, and why do we gospel preachers do that? Well, look what Paul says here. For neither at any time used to be flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. They didn't, they didn't preach for money. Right? Not like these televangelists, right? They don't, number one, they don't preach the gospel. Number two, all they're looking for is money. That's all they're looking for. Cloak of covetousness, see? Gain. God's preachers, we sent, we sent where we're sent to preach, and we preach the gospel. I read, I, I heard something this week. Oh my gosh, I heard something this week. Some preacher was asked to go to preach at a, at a, um, at a church. 
you know what the starting amount he wanted to preach there? $5,000. That's a cloak of covetousness. I'll tell you what. I'll go preach for somewhere for nothing. Just put a few people in front of me and let me, <laughs> let me talk about Christ. <laughs> I'll be happy as a lark, I'm telling you that. Right? $5,000, beloved. That's what Paul's meaning here with the cloak of covetousness, right? Looking for, looking to, looking to, to make gain out of it. No. No, I care more about your souls than anything else. Than anything else. And that's how it should be. And that's how Paul was. He says, I didn't use flattering words, as you know. And he says, you know that. You know, you, you heard me. You heard me speak to you. I didn't use flattering words nor a cloak of covenant. And then he says, and God is my witness. God is witness. Nor of man sought we glory. They didn't, they, he didn't seek to be glorified by man. It's like when, when you guys say, you know, I was really blessed by that message. I always, I always try to say, well, glory be to God. I want him to get the glory. Now, I'm thankful you told me you were blessed. But that's wonderful. But glory be to God. He took these words <laughs> And he blessed your soul. Somewhere between me and you, the Holy Spirit got to hold those words and blessed you. Praise God. That's wonderful. That's, that's wonderful to hear. I'll tell you that. But he, he wasn't seeking man's glory. He says, nor, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you. They didn't even seek glory from them. Nor yet of others. Wherever he went and preached, he didn't seek glory from men. When we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, what... What did he do? Well, he worked. He's a tent maker, wasn't he? He didn't seek money off of them. He was a tent maker. My, it's wonderful. But we were, look at this. But we were gentle among you. God's, God's people are gentle people. Now, we're hard around the edges, still in our flesh, aren't we? Anyone who says they're not, they're just lying. But, but we generally are gentle people. Because God's made us that way. And he's working on us. Do I still get upset? Don't ask my wife. Right? We all do, don't we? You want to find a... a Spurgeon used to do this. Spurgeon used to do this. He said, he said when, I, when I ask, when I want to know about a man in the church, he says, I don't ask the man, I ask the wife and the kids. <laughs> Oh, my. Isn't that so true? Oh, my. He says, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished of children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own souls, because you were dear to us. And isn't it amazing? I've noticed in the last three years how the Lord has just knit us together, beloved. This group has become closer and closer, I see, all of us. He's just knit us together, beloved, all of us. He's knit our hearts together. And it's a joy. It's a joy. Several of you said it's a joy to come to church. It's a joy to be sit and listen, to have the freedom to be who you are. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's absolutely wonderful. Well, that's God's grace. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God knitting our hearts together. There's no law here. There's no law here anymore, is there? There's none. 
It's all about grace now. It's all about God's grace now. No one's criticizing another person. It's wonderful, isn't it? We're just here to worship the Lord. We're just here to worship the Lord. And Paul's talking about that, that because you were dear unto us, we become dear to one another. The more we grow in grace, the more we become dear to one another. That's what happens, beloved. Because the Lord knits our hearts together now. And in these days we find ourselves, as in the days of the past, until that last great day that God has ordained for all to finish, for all to wrap up, all who are the people of God, we need revival, don't we? We need to be revived. We need to be, we, we come in here after a week and we need to be revived, don't we? We need to rejoice. We don't need to be beat down. See, I remember in religion, you walk in the door, I, I, I came in feeling pretty good and I left feel, <laughs> feeling horrible. You know, but ever since I heard the gospel, when I hear a gospel message, I'll, I'll be feeling down and then by the end of the message, I'm, 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 I'm uplifted in my spirit. I may, still, I may still be down a little bit about things, but I'm uplifted in my spirit then, right? Because we've heard the wonderful things about Christ. And, and, and from here, how are we revived? Through the preaching of the gospel. Hearing about what Christ has done for us. That every, and I mean every single one of our sins is forgiven. There's not one left out, beloved. Even the ones we haven't committed yet. Well, people say, how, how can you say that? Because every one of my sins was future in Calvary's cross. Right? And either he forgave me for all my sins or he didn't forgive me for any. Well, praise God, he forgave me for all my sins and yours too if you're a believer. Everyone. Isn't that amazing? That doesn't give us a license, though, does it? See, some people say, well, you preach like that. Folks will think they can go out and do whatever they want. No. God's people don't work that way. It's the love of Christ that constrains us from sin now. Right? It's, it's thinking about what he's done for us. It's thinking about his suffering for us. How he bled and died for all my sins. And, and how can we be revived? Well, by preaching that Christ is the only Savior. He's the only substitute. If we stand in front of God in our own selves, we're condemned, aren't we? But in Christ... God says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my rest. My! All because of what Christ has done. Now the only one, the only difference between Wayne here, the redeemed one, and Wayne who was born dead in trespasses and sins, is God! And it's the same for you. Isn't that amazing? Now that's amazing grace, isn't it? That's amazing grace. And what else does the, the gospel preacher preach? What else did Paul preach? Well, he preached that, that Christ was raised for our justification. That now we can stand before God as believers, fully justified in Christ. And you know that God has forgiven us for Christ's sake? 
That's the only reason we're forgiven. is because of what Christ did. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But hallelujah. We're forgiven of all our trespasses and sins in Christ. And see, Paul spoke like, like this. He spoke in plain words. He could have used elegant words that made people's minds kind of fizz. But he didn't do that. He wanted to be understood. He spoke in plain words. That's one of the things I love about Brother Henry Mahan's sermons. He spoke in plain words. Easy to understand. And his message never changed. It never changed. It's wonderful. Lord, save me listening to the Brother Henry in that simple gospel message. That simple gospel message. God, God's ordained the, the foolishness of preaching. To man, to man, a man standing up and preaching about Christ to a natural man, that's foolishness. But to us, it's the power of God unto salvation, isn't it? Oh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's absolutely wonderful. Look at, look at verse 4 again of chapter 1. Look at this. Look at this. And, and this is, and we're going to verse 5 too. Look at this. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Somebody might say, well, well, I don't believe in election. I heard a preacher say, somebody came up to him and said, I don't believe in predestination. And he said, really? You don't believe in predestination? He goes, no. And he goes, the preacher said, well, then you don't believe the Bible. And he says, oh, no, I believe the Bible. And he goes, instead of saying, I don't believe that, we should say, I don't understand it. I thought that was a great point. I want to bring that out today. Because I thought that was a great point. Now, there's words we come to that we don't understand, do we? But when we, when we look them up, or we hear, hear them defined as God's people, words in the Bible, we believe them. We believe them. We believe them. I don't always understand everything in the Word of God, and I don't think anybody ever will. But I believe the Word of God. Look at this. And God, elections, scriptural. No one, beloved, your election of God. That's choosing in the Greek. To be chosen. For our gospel came not only to you in word only, but in power. In whose power? In the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In the power of God, the Holy Ghost. And look at this. And in much assurance. See, God's people, we're saved by grace. And we have much assurance. Much assurance. Much assurance. Now, this is wonderful news. And think of this too. Our, our brother Paul, he's on a missionary journey. He's sent by God. Our Lord Jesus Christ had appointed him to go to these different places. He was ordained by our great, majestic, all-knowing, all-powerful God before time began. Before time even was, this was all planned and purposed by God. How do we know that? Well, because in the book of Acts, it says as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Right? When was that ordained? Did God just ordain it five minutes before it happened? No. He ordained it in eternity, beloved. In eternity. Isn't that wonderful? And so here's Paul. He's on a mission to preach the gospel. What's he doing? 
He's preaching the gospel. The door has been opened for him to go and to proclaim the gospel in Macedonia. And it was all according to God's perfect plan because God had some sheep there that must hear the gospel. They woke up that morning, didn't even know they were going to hear the gospel. Well, God does have a plan, doesn't he? God does have a will. God does have a purpose. And that purpose and that will is in Christ. It's all wrapped up in him. And Paul is a preacher of Christ. He goes and preaches and proclaims Christ. So that door was open for them to go into Macedonia, all according to God's perfect plan. And then Lydia's heart was opened. Remember Lydia? She's down there at the river. Ladies are having a Bible meeting. She attained to Paul's words, but who opened her heart? Paul spoke the words, but who opened her heart? God opened her heart, didn't he? God opened her heart, beloved. And in the painful scourgings from these wicked men in Philippi, Paul and Silas received, they were scourged for preaching the gospel. They suffering for preaching the gospel. Thrown into prison. But you know, that was all part of God's plan because there was a Philippian jailer there, one of God's lost sheep who had to hear the gospel. And when he said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And you know what? The Lord saved him. Isn't that wonderful? But that was all, all that suffering that Paul and Silas went through was all planned and purposed by God. All that suffering. But I'll tell you what. At that exact time that that Philippian jailer would cry out, must, what must I do to be saved? There's a gospel preacher put right there. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now that's grace, isn't it? That Philippian jailer was going to kill himself. Because if he lost any prisoners as a Roman, as a, as a, as a, uh, a Roman prisoner keeper, or whatever you call him, what do you call him? Warden, a warden, warden. He'd, he'd be the one fully responsible. His head's going to roll. So he's ready to fall on his sword. No. God says no. You're mine. You're mine from eternity. Chose you in my son from eternity. Now he didn't know that, did he? He probably learned that though, didn't he? And would he be in awe and wonder that God had put Paul there at that perfect time? My oh my. God himself directed Paul and his company to go to Philippi and then to go to Thessalonica. And the opposition from those who hated Christ were just as much as part of God's ordained plan as, as they were his elect who received Christ. Look at verses 1 and 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in un, unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. See, God had a people there. He had told Paul, you know, he said, you go and preach. You go and preach the gospel. And Paul's doing what he's told, isn't he? Now the same could be, the same events that we see here with Paul and his life occurs in every preacher's life. 
and occurs in every one of God's saints' lives. All believers in any given generation have an appointment with God. And the gospel preacher is sent and they are brought to a place. Brother Charlie and Sister Denise, they were bought here. They were bought here out of a place that said, said, bow your head and repeat this prayer. And they told me, they said, they lied to us, Wayne. But we're so thankful that God bought us here. And they heard the gospel by the grace of God, beloved. But it's God who opened their hearts, wasn't it? It's God, the Holy Spirit, who did that. I'll never forget. They came here for the first year. They kept asking me, is there something we can do? And I said, just sit and listen. Just sit and listen. Second year came and they said, well, is there something we can do now? I said, just sit and listen. And then the Lord saved and they go, now we know why you told us to sit and listen. See, religion, they get people involved right away, do all this, do all that. Just sit and listen. Listen to the gospel. That's what's most important, isn't it? And that's what's most important. Look what Paul writes here, though. He says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance into you, that it was not in vain. And how, how this truth must have blessed Paul's heart and the hearts of the Thessalonian believers. What joy this, this must have brought them, knowing that, that when Paul came to them, it was not in vain. It wasn't in vain. Paul knew that he could plant the seeds of the gospel, but it's God who must give the increase, right? It's God who must give the increase. And now the earnest, sincere desire of all God's preachers is to see sinners come to Christ by the gift of God's faith. But we are the ones who are called of God to preach his gospel. We know that the Holy Spirit must do the work. I can't make anyone come to Christ. Neither can you, right? If we could, who would be the first people we bring? Our children. Then our family members. Then our friends, right? But we can't save anyone. Can't even save ourselves. So we pray that God, the Holy Spirit, we lift up our children, don't we? We lift up our friends. We lift up our family. Praying that if it's God's will, that he'd send the Holy Spirit to them. And reveal Christ to them. That they'd be born again by the Holy Spirit of God. That he'd make the gospel effectual. And God's ordained by the foolishness of preaching. See, to the world it's foolishness, isn't it? But God's wisdom far exceeds the wisdom of man. See, man look at preaching the gospel and say, that's just a bunch of foolishness. But isn't it amazing that God takes the words of the preachers, like I said something, in, in between you and I, see, what, what they negate is God the Holy Spirit. He's the one who does the work. They think getting up and just preaching Christ is foolishness. But it's the power of God on salvation when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of it, isn't it? When he applies it to your heart and my heart, and we are blessed by the words. That's a miracle, beloved. That's the Lord doing that. That's the Lord God at work. That's the Holy Spirit at work. He, he can only make it effectual. Only He can regenerate one who's dead in trespasses and sins. Therefore, the gospel must be preached. It has to be preached. It must be preached. And it cannot be compromised. It cannot be compromised at all. Woe to the preacher who dares to water down the word of God. Woe to the preacher. Now what? The wages of sin is death, right? 
And what does that lead to? Hell. It's a real place. But the wage is the same. Why do we die? Because we're sinners. That's why we need to be saved. And praise God. He sent his son. The father sent the word of God to die in the room and place of sinners. That's amazing. That's incredible that God would do that. And now look here too. It says that they were gentle. They were gentle among the people. Let's read, let's read that portion again. For yourselves, brethren, know that our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our gospel to speak unto you the gospel of God's God with much contention. So even though they were suffering for the gospel, even though they were facing opposition, they still preached the gospel. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but we, but as we were allowed of God, now look at that, God allowed them to be entrusted with the gospel. Again, as I said, what, what a privilege. God's allowed this church to be entrusted with the gospel of God's free grace. My, oh my. We are bold in our gospel to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For, again, sorry, I, got, I went back too far. But as we were allowed of God to put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but, but God, which trieth our hearts, for neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of man sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others. When we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you. Look at that. We're gentle. Gentle. Now, being gentle doesn't mean not being mean. It, it doesn't, it, they, they were just gentle. They were just, what, what I meant to say, being gentle doesn't mean they, did, they didn't hide the truth. No, they, they proclaimed the truth. They didn't hide the truth. They proclaimed it. But they were gentle in the way that they spoke it. They were gentle in their communications with one another. Their love was real. It was a brotherly love that only comes from God. See, Satan can counterfeit a lot of things. But Satan cannot counterfeit the love of the brethren. He cannot counterfeit that. He can't, he's, there's false gospels, right? There are a lot of false things, but he cannot counterfeit the love of God that, that God's people have for each other. And we who are the born-again, blood-washed saints of God, we do not want the truth to be watered down. We do not want the truth to be held back. No, we want the truth to go forth, don't we? And Paul is going to address the consequences of preaching the gospel in this chapter. If you read this whole chapter, you see that he, he, he addresses the consequences of preaching the gospel. And there's a cost to preaching the gospel. There's a cost to preaching the gospel. Paul and Silas, they were cast into prison for preaching the gospel. And we can count ourselves blessed that we live in a place where the preaching of the gospel where we're not thrown in prison when we gather together. It's not so in all the world. There's places where people gather in secret. 
because otherwise they're going to end up in jail. What a blessing we have that we can come here and sit with God's people, hear the word of God preach and proclaim, and have no fear of being thrown in prison. That's an honor. That's a privilege. Now, there's some in Paul's time who thought it was their duty to kill anyone who named the name of Christ. Remember, Paul was one of them. Remember? He was going along with letters to cast the believers into prison, to persecute them for what they believed. And now he's preaching the gospel. If God saved Paul, rest after a hard day. If I work hard that day, I sure like to rest. Well, this is eternal rest, beloved. This is eternal rest our Lord speaks of. Let's turn there, Matthew 11. I was almost going to preach there this week. Matthew 11, but this message here was placed on my heart. Paul came in meekness, didn't he? He came in meekness to the Thessalonians, gentle. But he had one thing to proclaim that he would never compromise on, and that was the gospel. That was preaching Christ and him crucified. He would not, he would not compromise on that. Do you know if the gospel's not preached, no one will be saved? No one. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, right? God has used, he's ordained the foolishness of preaching. To save them that believe. Do you know if the gospel wasn't preached, we wouldn't know anything about Christ? Because number one, we don't have any interest in God. The true and living God. Unless God regenerates us, right? So think of this. If you have an interest in God, rejoice, beloved. Rejoice. If you have an interest in God, rejoice. God gave you that interest. God gave you the faith that looks to Christ. Rejoice. We didn't have it before. And now when the gospel is preached, what do we do? We rejoice. You mean Christ died for all my sins? Yes, all of them, if you're a believer. My. If the gospel's not preached, people don't hear. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear about Christ without someone proclaiming him? This is all ordained by God, beloved. And you know that if the gospel's not preached, no one, no one will believe that Jesus Christ by himself purged our sins. And he did it. And we believe it, don't we? By God-given faith, we believe it. He purged my sins. I'm, I'm washed in the blood of Christ. That's why I love, and you notice I, I, we sing them a lot. You know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Christ. There's nothing but the blood of Christ that can wash our sins away. Nothing, beloved. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Christ. Well, how will they hear without a preacher? Right? And we'd, we'd never learn about that. We wouldn't have learned. We would not know about his, his obedient life, fulfilling the law for us, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. We wouldn't know that if the gospel wasn't preached. And if the Holy Spirit, number one, if the Holy Spirit didn't make it effectual. 
But if there was no preaching of the gospel, we wouldn't know that. We, did, we wouldn't know about his sacrificial death upon the cross. If he's the Lamb of God, slain for my sins, personally, right? We wouldn't know that unless the gospel was preached. And we wouldn't know that it was God's will that moved him to send his son, that his blood would be shed for the remission of our sins. The sinless one, the spotless one, the perfect one, the holy one, dying in our room and place, beloved. We wouldn't know any of that if the gospel wasn't preached. But it's the foolishness of preaching. God uses the foolishness of preaching. What man calls foolishness, God uses. He's so much wiser than all of us, isn't he? He's so much wiser. My, oh my. Look at this. In Matthew chapter 11, look at this. Look at verse 25. At that same time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid the... These things from the wise and the prudent has revealed them unto babes. You know, we're just babes. He's hid these things from the wise and the prudent. People who are full of self-righteousness who don't think they need Christ. He's hid these things from them. He says, I didn't come to heal the whole, did he? But the sick, and you know what that means? The sin sick. That's me. Is that you? Oh, my. He's revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed what? Good in thy sight. It seemed good in his sight. Isn't that amazing? To reveal Christ to sinners such as we. It, the, father was, the Father was pleased to do that. You know, and Brother Travis bought out over there in 2 Thessalonians. I'll read a verse quick that uh, Brother Travis highlighted in chapter 5, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Now, we come into this world born dead in trespasses and sins. But we're not appointed under wrath. It says, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I had a friend of mine who was reading that yesterday to me. Went out for breakfast with him. He took me out for breakfast. I'm finally feeling better. And um, he was reading this whole chapter. And I said, well, you need to look at verse 9. He looked at that verse and I said, Look at that. It says, God's not appointed his people to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I took him to chapter 1, verse 4, and I said, there's that word election, my friend. He didn't know what to say. See, all we have to do is present the word of God, don't we? And just let it sit, beloved. Just let it sit. Look at this, so back to where we were. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me. 
Are you burdened by your sins? Maybe things you did in your past? Come unto me. He doesn't say reflect on your sin, does he? He says, come unto me. Come unto me. All ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will. I will. Now I might. Now I have to think about it. I will give you rest. Oh my. Take my yoke upon you. Now they used to yoke up animals, right? Put a yoke upon them. And learn of me. And those yokes were heavy, but look at this. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. It's easy. It's easy, beloved. And my burden is light. Why is it easy? Because it's all about what Christ done. Come on to me. Are you laboring? Are you labored down by sin? Are you labored down by law works? Are you labored down by life? Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I, W-I-L-L, will give you rest. We don't deserve it, do we? But the master said, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. My, oh, my. So Paul, in preaching the gospel, Paul, in preaching the gospel, faced much contention. But he also had a rest, didn't he? He had a peace that passes all understanding. That kept his mind on Christ. That's why... That's why you hear us gospel preachers continue to say, keep looking to Christ, beloved. Keep looking to him. No matter what's going on in our lives, whether we're suffering, what, just keep looking to him. That's the only hope we have is Christ. And I know it's not always easy. I know. I know there's times we wake up, it's so hard. We may be going through things mentally, physically, in anguish, in pain. We have to keep our eyes on Christ, don't we? And not on the circumstances. Turn, if you would, to Acts 16. We're going to look at that Philippian jailer. Acts 16. Let's look at that Philippian jailer there. Now, he was ordained by God's almighty purpose that he would be saved on that day. And here he had, he, he didn't know Paul and Silas any different than any of the other prisoners. He just knew he had, a, he had a prison full of prisoners. Look at this, Acts 16, 25 to 31. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. So, so they'd been thrown in jail because they were preaching the gospel. It says here, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken immediately. All the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. Now what would happen if all the prison doors opened in the prison nowadays? <laughs> Man, you would be seeing dust behind these guys' feet, wouldn't you? 
and they would be gone. If, I mean, if every door opened so that they could get right out into the public, there would be, that prison would empty in record time. But look at this. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he thought, he thought what, what I just said. He thought, well, they're all gone. Every one of them have taken off. But you see, God can restrain anyone, can't he? He can restrain. And he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Every one of us is here. Not one run away. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and, and bought them out saying, Sirs, now look at these words. What must I do to be saved? Now if there was anything for that man to do, whether it be baptism, whether it be circumcision, whether it be anything else, right? It would have been in the word of God, right? But see, we're not saved by anything we do. We're only saved by Christ. So Paul, being a faithful preacher of the gospel, being a faithful preacher of, of salvation in Christ and him alone, says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. My. Now, I believe that man was already regenerated before he asked that question. You know that? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And what happened to him? Well, he believed, didn't he? He was given faith to believe. He'd already been coming to Christ right there. What must I do? Well, there's nothing you can do. Look to Christ. Look to Christ and be saved. And he believed. Then he went home and told other, parts, other people in his family, didn't he? And they believed too. And they were baptized. Not because it saved them, because it didn't. He was already saved. Baptism has, has in no way saves people. Now Presbyterians use this portion and they say, well see, and his household was saved too. That includes the babies. It doesn't say that, does it? That's putting something on scripture that's not there, beloved. That's not there. We don't even know if he had any babies. Right? But you see how man could creep in with things? False teachings? Put things in there that aren't there? My, oh, my. And the word baptism in the Greek means to submerge, not to sprinkle. Now, baptism in no way saves. It in no way saves. It doesn't save at all. What's most important is what Paul said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right? Was the thief on the cross baptized? Where is he? He's in, we don't know how free we are 
We really don't. We really don't. We are the most free people in this whole world, beloved. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from the guilt of sin. We've been saved from the punishment of sin. One day, we're going to be set free from the presence of sin, beloved. Right, Sister Kay, she's, she's not feeling no sin now, is she? Not at all. None at all, beloved. She got no more COPD, right? She got no more, no more troubles with her lungs and with her heart. It's gone. All because of what Christ done. All because he washed us clean in his precious, precious blood, beloved. In one day, our faith will be made sight. I was watching something last night and the folks were talking, well, when I get to heaven, I get to see mom and dad. And da, da. Well, you know what? You know what the thing I want to see when I get to Christ? When I get to heaven? Huh, I just want to see Christ. Oh, my. There he is. The one who saved my soul. The one who redeemed me with his precious blood. The one who had his hands pierced so that his blood was shed for the remission of my sins. Heaven is heaven because of Christ, isn't it? It's heaven is heaven because of Christ and him alone. Glory be to God. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for your goodness and mercy and grace towards your people. We are so undeserving, but Lord, we rejoice when we hear the gospel preached and proclaimed, when we hear about what you've done for us, leaving heaven and coming to this sin-cursed world and shedding your precious, precious blood to redeem our eternal souls. All because of the will and purpose of the Father and all because you willingly did that for us. Glory to your name. Glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for thy eternal plan of salvation, for the planning of it and for the execution of it. In one day we'll be seeing you, Lord, by thy grace and mercy face to face, and our faith will become sight, and oh, oh, what a day that'll be, Lord. What a day that'll be. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.